Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 55. I'm your host, William Galloway, and on today's podcast, we've got a great lineup for you. We're talking with the Director of Broadcasting from the Tennessee Vols, Bob Kessling, and we'll preview the upcoming Alabama game at Tennessee this weekend in Neyland Stadium, a 2.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS the 4-0 Crimson Tide take on the 2-2 Tennessee Vols. Of course, the Vols had a good start to their season, defeating South Carolina and Missouri, and now they've given up two losses in a row to Georgia and Kentucky and have a combined 28 points in the last two games while giving up 78 points. We will give that game its due when we talk to Bob, but want to once again welcome you into the podcast and remind you that the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So check out the podcast on those three platforms and share with your friends on social media if you enjoy the podcast as well. As always, we're going to go uh, around the SEC scoreboard in our What's News segment. We'll talk with our guest today. That's Bob Kessling. And then, as we always do, finishing up going around Alabama athletics here on the Galloway Podcast. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this interview with Bob, listening to the Galloway Podcast and want to jump right into it. I want to remind everybody as well that if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, tweet me at WM underscore Galloway. Uh, More content, a lot of this podcast is driven from those tweets there on Twitter. So let's jump right into it. What's new and looking at the SEC scoreboard from last weekend. Of course, LSU and Florida, that game in Gainesville was postponed due to the alleged coronavirus, COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Got LSU and Florida. It also got Vandy at Missouri. So two games postponed last weekend. Unfortunate to see that. But there was some pretty good football in Columbia, South Carolina, the Gamecocks defeated number 15-ranked Auburn. Auburn is now 2-2, two and two, so that score was South Carolina 30, Auburn 22. And uh, you can take away a lot of things from that game, but South Carolina was pretty dominant and exposed Auburn in a lot of aspects in that game. Auburn's offense looked pretty one-dimensional, um, had two field goals in the second half. Offense could not get going in the second half. Once again, final South Carolina 30 Auburn 22. Now, one point of interest, we got a lot of two-loss teams in the SEC, and I'll point this out really fast. LSU, a two-loss team. Auburn, two-loss team. South Carolina, two-loss team. Kentucky, two-loss team. Tennessee, two-loss team. Arkansas, two-loss team. Alabama is the only undefeated team left in the SEC, and it wouldn't have mattered had Vandy and Missouri played and Florida and LSU played because they all each had a loss, and so Alabama really leading the conference right now. But also this past weekend, Kentucky beat Tennessee in Knoxville. We'll talk about that game a little bit more with Bob. That one was 34-7. to Of course, the turnovers from Tennessee and the quarterback play really just shot the Vols in the foot. Ole Miss fell on the road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Sam Pittman got the best of the Hogs and Lane Kiffin. That final score, 33-21, Arkansas over Ole Miss. And in Starkville, Mississippi State fell to Texas A&M. And so, you know, a lot of eyes were on that game, seeing how Mississippi State would respond from the previous game, only scoring two points at Kentucky. Well, the 11th-ranked Texas A&M Aggies and Kellen Mond, despite Kellen Mond not having a tremendous game all around, they got it done, and they, they played well. They beat Mississippi State 28-14, and so 
you know, 2020 continues to be a wild ride, especially in the SEC, specifically in the SEC West. A lot of question marks around a lot of programs. And, of course, all eyes were on number three, Georgia, versus number two, Alabama. The Crimson Tide won 41-24. Alabama defense pitched a second-half shutout. Mac Jones, three straight games, 400-plus yards. Saban now has 25 wins over AP Top 5 programs. Will Reichard's 52-yarder right before the half was the long the first field goal over 50 yards since 2015. There are so many taking points, talking points, taking points, takeaways, whatever you want to call it. There's tons to talk about from this Alabama-Georgia game, and I feel like they've been pretty much exhausted to this point. The 24-hour rule, Coach Saban's 24-hour rule, is well expired, and so we're not going to spend a whole lot more time talking about this Alabama-Georgia game, but it did feel pretty normal, and that's um, in terms of the game day experience in Tuscaloosa, obviously only 20% capacity, uh, but a lot of people in town, and a lot happened in that game to make it feel you know, to give the fans, whether they were watching in the stadium or watching at home, to make it feel like a regular college football Saturday and a top five matchup in the SEC. Of course, you know, the Alabama-Georgia rivalry extends so far, and Alabama was just able to dominate that game. That one was really fun to watch. And Alabama, of course, now moves on to Tennessee, and we will as well. But first, we're going to take a look at some of the Week 8 matchups. Auburn at Ole Miss, Alabama, of course, at Tennessee, Kentucky at Missouri, South Carolina at LSU. So only four games because we got some bye weeks starting up this week. But uh, the, the headline game, I would say, is Alabama-Tennessee just because that's a 2:30 CBS game. I, I'm going to be watching this Auburn-Ole Miss game really closely. I'm really interested to see what is going to happen in that game because, you know, how will Auburn respond? Will how will Ole Miss respond? You know, what's Bo Nix going to be able to do to, you know, pretty good offenses, especially that Ole Miss offense? How will Matt Corral be able to handle that Auburn defense? What does Lane Kiffin have up his sleeve? We know he's always got something up his sleeve. So we'll have our eye on that. But now let's kick it over to the interview with Bob Kessling, the voice of the Tennessee Vols, here on the Galloway Podcast. I'm joined now by Bob Kessling, Director of Tennessee Broadcasting and the Vols play-by-play up in Knoxville. Bob, how are you? I'm good, William. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. Thank you for taking some time in this busy week, an exciting week for both programs. Of course, a very historic game coming up uh, in Neyland Stadium this weekend. Let's jump right into it. Tennessee is on a two-game losing streak. Um, they're on, they've given up 78 points and only scored 28 in the past two games. So what has to change for Jeremy Pruitt this weekend? They got to cut out the mistakes. They got to cut out the penalties. They've got they got to quit turning the ball over. Uh, when they played Georgia, they had the lead 21-17 at halftime, and then they came out and uh, the quarterback got sacked twice and fumbled, and uh, and then Tennessee threw an interception, and and Georgia was able to get points out of that. And then against Kentucky in the second quarter, after a scoreless first quarter, uh, Tennessee threw back-to-back interceptions that were run back for touchdowns. I don't care how good you are. Those that's hard to overcome, and Tennessee wasn't able to do it. And uh, after those interceptions, it kind of took all the energy out of the stadium and and the enthusiasm out of the team. And they played pretty listless in the second half. They've got to change that this week against Alabama, and I think they will because you know it's it's interesting how this Alabama game kind of gets both of these teams to 
to perk up a little bit. It kind of gets everything boiling. And uh, so I think that I think Tennessee will come out and, and play hard against Alabama, but they've got to eliminate the mistakes if they want to stay in the game. The turnovers were certainly something Coach Saban has talked about this week, and I'm sure we'll probably talk with uh, the media tonight even more so on his Wednesday night um, press conference call. So that is, you know, something he's noticed. But he also has a lot of respect for Tennessee. He's got a lot of respect for the job that Jeremy Pruitt has done. How would you rate uh, Jeremy Pruitt's performance over the past couple of years and even four games into this season? Well, I think when you look at the roster when he took it over, it was pretty slim and pretty bleak, really. So he's restocked the roster a little bit. This program is better off right now than it was uh, when he took it over. Is it at a championship level yet? No, because they still haven't beaten the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Floridas yet. And that's what, at Tennessee, that's kind of what you're measured by. And not losing to Kentucky. So he's got a lot of hurdles he's still got to cross. Right. So um... – Defensive line coach Jimmy Brumball was, was fired earlier this week, obviously kind of the big news for Tennessee uh, between now and um, Kentucky this past week. But what does that mean for the program? And, and does firing your defensive line coach do anything four games in? I don't know. I, it's never happened before as far as I can tell. I don't remember. I, I remember one time that uh, Tennessee fired its defensive coordinator in midseason. But other than that, I've, I've never – at Tennessee at least, I've never – heard of them making changes like this. Uh, obviously, Jeremy Pruitt said it just wasn't a good fit. Uh, he was not happy with the defensive line play. He wasn't happy about the fact that they can't get to the quarterback. So there are some philosophical differences. And I don't know what else happened. They're not going to tell you. But uh, it is kind of strange that you make this change. So, but maybe that will uh, you know, light a fire under a bunch of people, coaches and players, saying, wait a minute, if he can lose his job, I could lose mine too. So I better go out there and play. But Jeremy Pruitt's going to, you know, nowadays with all the graduate assistants and the analysts and all those folks they've got, they've got plenty of coaches. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt will set the, the, uh, the format and how he wants the defensive line to play. And then he'll have some other assistant coaches make sure it's implemented. But uh, uh, yeah, I just, I just think that, that the performance was so dismal against Kentucky that you knew something was going to happen. And that's, and Jimmy Brumbaugh was apparently the guy that, uh, that it happened to. He, he certainly took the hit. And uh, a couple of other guys that took hits were the quarterbacks, especially not even just against Kentucky of the past two weeks, Kentucky and Georgia. So, Bob, I want to ask you about the quarterback play. And after seeing, I think it was three quarterbacks last week, where do you stand on the quarterback situation in Knoxville and who should be playing against Alabama this week? Well, Jeremy Pruitt says that uh, he judges uh, who's going to play on how they practice. And he says that Jared Garantano is the best practice quarterback they've got. He doesn't throw interceptions. He takes care of the ball. He does all the things in practice that he's supposed to do to win the job but he still has the same problems that he's had the past several years. Now, some games he plays great. Um, you know, he threw 415 yards against Missouri. And the first two games this year, he executed the offense tremendously. But then he falls into some bad habits, holding on to the ball too long, looking at the receivers and all the things that he's been criticized in the past for. But who gives you the best chance to win? Who's got the most experience? And so I would be surprised if they went with anybody else but Jerry Garantano to start the game against Alabama. I would not be surprised uh, if they made a change, if things don't improve. Uh, he'll be on a very short leash. 
But, you know, last year they rotated three quarterbacks starting and, and uh, they would, whoever had the hot hand or whoever, if you made mistakes, then they would, they didn't hesitate to make a change. So uh, it, it's a problem in this league. I, I think this league is one which you don't win unless you have good quarterback play because the defenses are too good. You've got to have consistent good play at quarterback. And unfortunately, Tennessee, uh, the last two games has not gotten that. So we'll see what happens this week. But I would expect Garantana will start, and then we'll see what happens after that. A huge part of the quarterback play is the offensive line. And, of course, the Tennessee offensive line had a lot of expectations coming into the season. How would you rate their performance through four games? Probably C-minus, maybe. Uh, it's been shocking that they haven't been better. The first two games, they, they really played pretty well, and they pushed some guys around. But then when they go up against two really good defenses in Georgia and Kentucky, they just didn't get much done. They've had injuries. Uh, they've had, you know, they, they started the season thinking they're going to have 10 or 11 offensive linemen, and now they're trying to struggle to find five healthy ones. And that's kind of what it is in the offensive line. You get your ankles rolled up, you get – guys bump into your knees and all that kind of stuff. But they've been underachieving for sure. They have just not been that offensive line that you just expected would just crunch people and open up these huge, huge holes. They've had their moments when they've had, they have one drive against Kentucky where they just ran the ball right down the field and scored, but they have not been consistent. They especially have not been very good in pass blocking. Their tackles have not played very well. So they're, the talent's there. I mean, they got a bunch of five-star guys playing on that offensive line, and they've got a 60 year senior center uh, in Brandon Kennedy, of course, the transfer from Alabama. So they've got experience. They've got talent, but they just haven't played well. And uh, they're going to have to play well Saturday against Alabama to stay in the game. And then defensively for Tennessee, you talk about an Alabama offense that might be the most dynamic, and we thought Tua was special last year. Um, but now the weapons that Alabama has, the offensive line. What's the biggest challenge for the Tennessee defense? And what aspect of the Alabama offense poses the biggest threat? Well, the wide receivers, obviously, because they make you spread your whole defense out. And then that opens it up for the running game, which Alabama is really good at that as well. But Mac Jones is playing at such a high level that it's really incredible. I'll kind of put this into perspective for you. In the history of Tennessee football, they've had three quarterbacks throw for over 400 yards in a game. And Peyton Manning was one of those, Tyler Bray, and then the last season, Jerry Garantano. Mac Jones has done it the last three games. So that kind of tells you how this offense is clicking for Alabama. I mean, it's incredible to throw for 400 yards in a game, and he just stands back there and flicks the ball. Uh, he throws such a catchable football. He's probably got the best uh, touch on a ball that I've seen from a quarterback in a long, long time. And those guys, it's all, almost like the ball's hanging on a string for those guys to run under it and catch it. Uh, so give him a lot of credit for the way he's running this offense and the, and the way he is um, operating. And, you know, it's one thing to have those wide receivers running wide open, but it's another thing to hit them when they're wide open. And Mac Jones has done a really good job of doing that. So, obviously, for Tennessee, the key is, and I think it's the key for any team, you got to get to Mac Jones. You can't let him stand back there and just rip you apart. You've got to get to him. And that's been a problem for Tennessee. That's why they're making a change in the defensive line. They just haven't put enough pressure 
on the quarterbacks. And if they can't do it Saturday, it's going to be a long day. Nick Saban talked about back in August, he said, we've got seven guys that can start on the offensive line. And we've seen, you know, various combinations of those seven. They've kind of found their anchoring starting five, but Alabama just offensively, I, I don't think, you know, in my short amount of years here, especially in the past four years, but growing up um, in Birmingham and seeing Alabama, which play for years and years, have never seen an offense quite like this and having so many weapons. I want to ask you, Bob, too, uh, especially as Alabama goes on the road, and I'd, I'd like to ask everybody when Alabama goes on the road about this year, and it's been crazy, but the situation, how is Neyland Stadium set up and what can fans expect um, in Knoxville and inside the stadium? Well, the one thing you'll notice when you're coming to Neyland Stadium, if you've been driving up from Birmingham on game day, there's not the traffic jams that there have been in the past. And it's easier to find some place to park and uh, getting into the stadium is easy. And they do have it spread out. Uh, so you don't have any problems with concession stands or restrooms and those type of things. But it just doesn't feel the same. It just does not feel like it's an SEC football game. It almost feels like a spring game just from the – and they pump the crowd noise into the – you know, over the PA system. And, and that's kind of phony. I, I, I don't really like that too much, uh, especially when they jack it up so loud you can't even hear yourself because, you know, it's just – it's phony noise. But uh, there's just not that, that buzz, that electricity that's usually there for an SEC game, especially at the start of the game. And I think in this game especially, it's a big disadvantage for Tennessee because when you're playing as an underdog, you need the crowd to lift you and to give you that spark and to make it tough for Alabama to run its offense, you know, make the noise so loud that you can't hear. And uh, that's not going to be the case on Saturday. And uh, so when, when the defense really needs it on third down and four or fourth and one, you're not going to get it. And so you got to kind of get that from, you know, inside yourself. All right. So Bob, last question for you here, uh, jumping ship from football and, and looking ahead to basketball, what can you expect and what can the SEC expect from Rick Barnes and Tennessee basketball this year? Really good basketball team uh, on paper, maybe the best team in the conference. They've got a couple of five-star freshmen coming in. They've got guys that are returning. They've got the defensive player of the year and E Pons coming back. Uh, this is going to be a really good basketball. John Fulkerson's coming back. So uh, they're going to be really good. They're going to be deep. They're going to be talented. Uh, you know that if you're a Rick Barnes coach team, you're going to play great defense. So uh, the expectations in basketball are really through the roof right now. And uh, it's, it's kind of remarkable what Rick Barnes has done since he's been here. This is you know, the, one of those so-called football schools that suddenly has become a basketball school and and Rick Barnes is doing it because of the fact that uh, he's been able to show uh, recruits that if you come here, I, I can get you to the NBA. If you look at Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and Kyle Alexander and Jordan Bone, I mean, none of those four guys were really recruited very heavily, and yet they're all now in the NBA. So that's a big selling point for Rick Barnes, and he's capitalizing on that a lot. Absolutely. We're, we're looking forward to basketball in Tuscaloosa here as well, year two under Nate Oates. But Bob, Alabama, Tennessee this week at 2.30. Of course, you've got the radio call for Tennessee. Eli Gold will have it for Alabama. Thank you so much for taking the time in your busy week. William, thank you and hope to see everybody at Neyland Stadium Saturday.
Really appreciate Bob taking the time out of his week, like I said, and really appreciate his insight, not only for Tennessee Vols football and the season that they're having, you know, a lot of question marks around a lot of situations in that program and what's going on, what Jeremy Pruitt is doing, but also basketball, because I've always got my eye on basketball. And if you know me personally, basketball is as big of a deal, if not a bigger deal, than football. And so, of course, we're looking forward to SEC basketball season. And on that note, we want to go around Alabama athletics and some news as of this morning on Wednesday, October 21st in the SEC. The SEC Big 12 Challenge was announced Alabama will play at Oklahoma. Those matchups are all set. There's 10 games between the SEC and the Big 12. Of course, the 10 teams in the Big 12, but that's another story. Alabama will play at Oklahoma on January 30th, 2021. Now, if you're a crazed fan, that might be a road game. If you're a normal person, you will be watching that on the ESPN family of networks. But nonetheless, Reminds me of the really exciting game Alabama had when Colin Sexton and Trey Young faced off my freshman year inside Coleman Coliseum. So Alabama-Oklahoma will be a very exciting matchup in that SEC Big 12 Challenge brought to you by the ESPN family of networks. Some other headline games in that, Auburn at Baylor, Florida at West Virginia, Texas at Kentucky, Texas Tech at LSU. Just a couple of games. Of course, we just talked with Bob Kessling. He will be at home as the Vols will host Kansas. So another big game there. Full slate of games on secsports.com. And when we look elsewhere around Alabama athletics, not a whole lot going on. The soccer team is, um, they fell to Ole Miss 2-0 to and they are hitting a rough patch this year. They're not down and out, but they're certainly not where they want to be. And so we're hoping for the best for the Alabama soccer program. But right now, they are just scratching and clawing to stay alive in the SEC. Really looking forward to this weekend's slate of games. As we mentioned right before Bob, we're we're looking closely at Alabama Ole Miss. We're looking, obviously, closely at Alabama versus Tennessee. It's going to be a great weekend. Reminder that the Alabama versus Tennessee game is at 2.30 on CBS. So that really does it here for the Galloway Podcast, episode 55. I want to remind everybody to tune in on weekends at 10 p.m. for my WVUA 23 sportscast as the weekend sports anchor. Going to have full SEC coverage on Saturday nights as I do. On Sunday nights, I'll have Bama in the NFL coverage in every sport I'll have you covered in that sportscast Saturday and Sunday night at 10 p.m. on WVUA 23. You can stream that live on WVUA23.com. And also, Galloway Podcast merchandise is available. Um, Just a handful of Comfort Colors t-shirts left. Plenty of tumblers, coffee mugs with the Galloway Podcast logo, golf towels, and game day stickers. Looking to get more of those printed as well. So, Episode 55, where we went around the SEC scoreboard. We had a great conversation with Bob Kessling. And as we always do, finish up going around Alabama athletics. I want to thank you for tuning in. A reminder that the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Galloway.